Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Points on the push. Tominaga waits. Three. Up. He wasn't even looking at the rim when it went through. If only he had some confidence. Yeah. Did you say Tominaga? Yeah. Think, I, I, think I, he gets excited when that ball goes through the rim? I, did I see somebody jokingly starting a GoFundMe account to keep him in Lincoln? <laughs> I did not see the GoFundMe, but Dude, uh, I did hear the chance of one more year. One more year. One. Do you know how much money he could end up KSA would probably be leaving on the table? Do you love the college experience like we love our next guest? <laughs> Those are things you got to kind of weigh. How much money is BC leaving on the table? By talking to us, he could probably be making quite a pretty penny right now. <laughs> right. But instead, he's messing around with us yahoos. <laughs> What's up, Brian? Brian Christofferson, <laughs> senior writer for Husker 24-7. Good morning. Good morning. It's either being on here with you guys or getting a breakfast burrito somewhere right now. That's, you know, is, is, that your, is that your burrito? Is that, I know that's your go-to, right? Uh, well, no. Like, You're the rap guy. I am a rap guy, but for breakfast, oh, I'm French toast all the way. So is that your go-to, BC, or is it just like your personality because it's simple and clean? <laughs> no, it was what popped into my head, and I thought it was kind of – it's a little bit lower class of breakfast, I feel like, the breakfast burrito. <laughs> I thought that, that sort of fit fit uh, how I should describe myself on air. I got to get this out of the way because apparently I'm giving my mom and my little girl too hard of a time because we have highlights delivered to our house, the reading periodicals. Do you, when's the last time you've experienced highlights, BC? Um, yeah, that was like a, it felt like a dentist's office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like second or third grade, you try to work through a puzzle before, you, and that you were—I was always a little nervous about the dentist. So you're kind of—I was probably not getting through my highlights book as fast as I should. It's like a I, secret sedative, <laughs> like plays in your subconscious. Yeah, we've got a male guy, that, and he's a P1, so he listens quite a bit. And he's like, "Man, I deliver highlights all the time." I was like, "Really? I hadn't seen them for years until they arrive at our house every month." Maybe maybe it's just me, BC. Maybe I need to get with the times. 
Yeah, I was I was not aware it existed. I, it's it is actually it's pleasant to sometimes hear something like that that you thought, oh, oh that's gone or you haven't thought about since 1987 is still around. So, well, you got to meet my mom because she's about as gentle a throwback as you're ever gonna meet, man. And she raising this yahoo. BC, so are you, I asked this question a month ago, and I think it may be even more pertinent now. Are you at a point of Dylan Rayola fatigue? <laughs> I understand the question. Um, Do you think Dylan Rayola is at the point of Dylan Rayola fatigue? That's a good way to, to look at it, because I, I don't think he needs it yeah. from what I know about him. So, and I think people got to keep that in mind. That's probably where to start with that is obviously when you're that highly rated and uh, especially the way it is around here and how hungry people are for success and they see this this uh, shiny object like, hey, man, if we get that over here, think of what it's going to be like. You know it's going to be nuts. But from everything, you know, Dominic has said about him and he, I, I've only done, I think, one or two interviews with Dylan uh, myself. But he was—he's a real, just like humble kid. He really is. Like a, he's a yes sir kind of kind of kid about everything, and um, I think he's just very uh, diligent to like waking up every day. And they—they they have a certain routine in their house. It sounds like, and he sticks to it. And um, I don't think he's getting all that caught up in it. And that might seem odd to somebody. They're like, yeah, well, why he came to an arena and walked through, you know, I'll did all that. Um, it was just a that was just a fun experience where you're there and you, you're um, you're taking advantage of an opportunity and I, I didn't think he overdid it by any means he he sort of did what was asked of him and um, but myself I'm to the point where what's the next chapter I think we kind of know who the finalists are we've got it pretty narrowed down it feels like Nebraska's got a really good shot to me and now I, I think uh, much like my answers on a radio show the helicopter is sort of circling around the landing pad right now now it's just got to say <laughs> Brian what do you make of the recent drop in the rankings on on 3 for Dylan Rayola from 1 to 6 Well they're not they're not me so you can't blame me I mean they're totally. not, but uh I, I don't know I mean there's a lot of great players at the top that you just got to if you're if you're a, a top 30 guy um Obviously, there's a there's a thought you're going to be special. All I know is, I remember when he showed up to Friday Night Lights during the Frost era, and um, you you kind of heard some noise about him. You're like, yeah, we'll see. And uh, first first ball he threw downfield like 50 yards on a rope. I'm just like, okay, he there's it's there. Like now you got to have the extras. We all know that you, when you get here or wherever he goes, um, you've got to have those components within the game where you're savvy and, and you don't turn the ball over and all that stuff. But as far as just what's in the toolkit, um, he's got all those parts. So whether he ends up ranked first on a website or eighth, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, honestly, as Damon knows with, with a, a young man going through the process right now, close to him, I mean, if you're a three-star or whatever, it is it is what it is it's a rating on a paper and you you just keep putting your head down and going to work and um there's a lot of guys who are lower rated who have shown they are big time college players and we've seen some guys who are highly rated who still haven't panned out that way so it it so you got 
I think the key is you, whatever you're rated or whatever the uh, like people think they know about you. You got to wake up every day saying, "I'm going to prove that I'm more than that." Actually, I'm, I'm I am that or more, and that, so that's the key. Wow, it, it, I it, just I just feel like I had my life lesson. I just told Andrew yesterday. Full disclosure, BC, and I'm super honest, so you know I'll tell you. I said, because I can't remember how he set me up, but in vintage Andrew Rogers way, he got me to divulge more than I really wanted to. <laughs> I, I said, gosh, I said, this recruiting, because we were talking about Raylock dropping the six, and I said, you think I don't, I, I said, I don't believe in these rankings at all. I said, I cringed when I saw that, and you referenced my own house, like Caleb is the number six rated player in his class, and I said, there's not one coach in the state of Nebraska, including the guy on Highway 370 in Bellevue, that wouldn't take him with the first pick if he had to go start a team of the 2024 class, and that includes his own guys, right? So I, I just – there's some sort of peace you have to have with that. And it's like Caleb said the other day, and he, he kind of rubbed his hands, and he's like, that's why we go to work. And I figure if if he thinks like that, then I have to be able to think like that, right? Because I see these guys every day. I play against them. I coach against them. I feel like I have a good idea, but it may not be what the paper says. And I think Dylan's a lot like that. He couldn't care less. Yeah, I think so too. It's just so you know the rankings are just one component. They can be useful sometimes, and some there's a, some people put in hard work on it. I don't want to diminish that. Obviously, I work with the company where that's an important part of it, but. Uh, you know, hardly the end all be all. And, um, you know, and this coaching staff at Nebraska, um, in particular there, yeah, in Dylan's case, he's a big time prospect, but I mean, we've seen they're, they're, they're not too worried about what, uh, the outside perception is. Nobody knew, uh, good really who Bryce, nobody knew who Bryce Turner was like in December heart, you know, the few track people knew who he was and, uh, rule staff ended up being he's the first commit of the rule staff of that class. So, I mean, that, that shows you a little something. You know, as the NFL Combine gets underway this week, you have three Huskers there, uh, Trey Palmer, Travis Vokalek, O'Shawn Mathis. Uh, but as we continue to talk about recruits here, BC, how important is it for them to understand that development will come, but it will go at a modest pace at Nebraska, and you have to stick through kind of the highs and lows and you may not see the field right away. I, that's a good question, Andrew, because I think it's tough not just at Nebraska but everywhere with college coaches right now. Yeah. And the recruiting piece is probably a part of it because, you know, you've got guys who are, I mean, are getting offered at 14 years old. So for three or four years, they're going to go through this process of sort of being in headlines and doing interviews and stuff like that. And, and then people who follow it closely, they read up, uh, so much on particular guys by the time they even get on campus to to some people who are recruitniks or whatever you want to call us um, that person feels like they're a junior almost you know what I mean because they've been they've been in their mind for three or four years actually during the recruiting process so there's this thought like if it doesn't happen right away the first year like what's wrong here you know and I think you really have to fight against that if you're a player and it's tough in this culture, especially the portal era, because there is sort of a what's over that fence, you know. And sometimes maybe there is a better something for your particular skill set over the fence. Uh, but I, I just hope people are in kids' ears when they're considering that stuff, if they've had a tough first year or whatever, that say, just think long and hard about this because 
it might not end up better. In a lot of cases, it doesn't. So I, I do think there's a lot to be said for patience. I know Rule did an interview with on on one of his uh, uh, media rounds where he was talking about a player he had a, who, who really popped like in year four or five. And he straight up said, I miss that like old college football, like fifth year story, you know, the guy who kind of plugs along and, and makes it and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of cool to hear him say out loud just – Cause I do too. Like I love, I love those stories, but we don't see them as much. I love guys who you don't hear about for a couple of years, but they've been putting in the work. And then year three, they're in the spring. Like Luke Gifford was that type of player. If you want to name, like he, he was getting hurt and nothing was going his way. And then suddenly he was a starter and he made it. And uh, there's examples where it still happens and guys got to remember that. Oh man. I just listening. I, my train of thought is all over the place because I started out with one question. I hear the answer. Let me let me start with this one because you get the big segment here, so I can come back to the other one. You were talking about you, you know Coach Rule and, and and kind of 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 what he believes and who he is, kind of how that's been. You know, just kind of that irrational confidence, right? He believes in development. We were having a conversation not too long ago. He's watching old film right old old game tape and it's it's weird because you referenced uh in one of your other interviews you're like hey you know like there's sometimes you'll see him watching his phone and he's like he's looking at football film like that's who he is and i think he truly loves football bc like i truly do and he was going through the notes that he took on a game that happened 20 years ago and the list bc was probably 20 lines of hmm. notes is loving where does loving football in relationship to this job rank for you in terms of level of importance i mean it's got to be like in the top two um i would say isn't it weird how we never talk about that though because i agree with you like you, you know what i mean like and your answer previously sparked the thought and you didn't even bat an eye you're like hey that's top two we never talk about that with our coaches. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, we apply it to players in conversation sometimes because we'll say, oh, uh, more times I mean, there's, you know, like, we're talking about recruits. There's so many great players across the country in high school are just tremendous athletes. But there is a difference, as you know, Damon, where if, if there's a guy who just doesn't love it, and I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. It's just like not as hard and soul. He's got other things that sort of grab him a little bit more. It can be really tough to kind of work your way up the ladder because you will run into dudes who have the same skills you do, and they do love it. And uh, that's the difference. So we apply that to players, and I'm, I'm working my way back to what you said is, you know, we <laughs> I would think the same would apply to coaches. There's you know, um, at some point, you obviously love the game because you get into it and you, you want to teach young men and stuff. But I'm sure there's days it, it kind of wears you down and all that stuff. So to to have a staff, and I, I've heard this behind the scenes about them, they're, they're a crew that I think does love to just talk football shop a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that shouldn't be underestimated. And some people will be like, well, that's Captain Obvious. Doesn't that happen everywhere? I don't know. I don't know if it does, actually. I'm not sure. So... Um, I think what you're getting at is a pretty good point. You know, to further that for me, BC, after hearing from nearly everyone on staff now, can you stamp it in and officially say that you get the sense this coaching staff is who they've been saying they were for months now? Um, if I understood it right, I mean, yeah, I, I think they're putting in the 
I, I think they're they're doing what they're saying, I guess, is what I would come to. Um, and that's so far. I mean, it's only been a few months and it's a honeymoon period because we've done this with a lot of coaching staffs where we, we try to find everything that's positive. That is positive. <laughs> it, uh, it is hard right now if you were just stepped away and just no homerific takes us part of it. Um, it's a t-shirt. Yeah. Homerific. <laughs> I would, I would say it's hard to find a lot of fault with how they've, they've gone about it. I think they're, they're workhorses. And I think, uh, you know, even those young guys, um, on the staff, um, they got something to prove. Um, you know, if you want to bring it back to the recruiting analogy of the three-star guy who thinks he should be rated a little higher or something like that, or there's something that's sort of driving him. Like there's some young guys over there been heard a lot about how young they are and like, you know, can you coach, you know, that sort of thing. And I would think that would drive you uh, pretty well. Um, if you're just getting into this job. Um, I wrote this column a, a month or two ago. I, li- I like the movie, all the president's men, cause mm-hmm. it's a journalism movie. Um, and there's a part where they're trying to take Woodward and Bernstein off the Watergate story. And the, the editors are like, you got to get a more experienced person in there. And one of the editors pounds the table for Woodward and Bernstein and says, they're hungry, Ben. Don't you remember when you were hungry? And it speaks to that, like that just youthful zeal and that like there's a time in people's life when they're really just like, I'm going to go get it and I'm going to show it. And I think he's got some people on his staff that are like that. That's my early read. And um, I think he's found those people in the past, which to your question is why I have some confidence, because I think you look at like Fran Brown. Who's that, you know, like he hired him in his late 20s and like he's now the DB's coach at Georgia and I think he's going to ascend even higher as time goes on. So, I mean, he's got the examples of people of work. And don't think that the Georgia connection doesn't matter when it comes to people like Fran Brown, where if I don't if we're not taking care of our kids, I want to entrust them to you. Let, let me let me ask one more thing philosophically, BC, because I asked Andrew, I said, do you do you have to check yourself sometimes and say, hey, you know what? It can't be this easy because it's the offseason. We're kind of drinking the Kool-Aid, and, and he's hitting home run after home run, and he's been exactly who he said he's going to be. And I'm like, do you ever have to just check yourself and say, gosh, you know what? There's no way. It's that linear. But my buddy responded after hearing that question, and he said, you can say it can't be that easy, but you yourself, DB, have said on multiple occasions it shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> Is there truth to that? It shouldn't be as hard as we've made it the last 15, 20 years, and it can be that easy? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think you're you're onto something there. I mean, I just look around the country, and I, I see programs that don't have what Nebraska has, and uh, they can be solid at least seven or eight win football teams, and they can build up. A, a squad that you know on a given Saturday is going to go in there and it's going to be a fight. And I mean, one of them's across the border. Let's be honest. Like Iowa's that type of program and has been. Um, and oh, so, good, good, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, it has been made to look a little more difficult than it needs to be around here. Sometimes um, there are now there is a difference here that you have to deal with. That's not everywhere. And that is, it truly is the rock show in town. Like it's, I mean, cause it think about all the, 
you know, even talk radio and everything that consumes like Husker football, like right now, like in on March 1st, you know, we're talking about it and um, we're diving in deep to it as we can at this point. And um, it's not that where everywhere where there's a distraction where you got the, the pro team over here and all this stuff and it kind of pulls people away. And I think you maybe get a little more breathing room. So I do think there have been coaching staffs and people who have really had to adapt to they think they know what it's going to be like to be inside this fishbowl, but it's actually even a little bit more intense than you expected it would be. Like if you're on the outside and you just sort of looked at Nebraska football from a distance, I mean, I would say it's as passionate per capita or whatever you want to say as any place about a sport. It, it just is. I've always believed that I'll defend that. And so that's something where you got to have the sort of mindset, I think as a coach where you, you say, I've done this before. I've had success. I know my methods. I'm going to trust my methods. But I also know there's going to be there's going to be scrutiny at times and there's going to be a lot of attention on everything I do. And I've got to have sort of that thick hide that doesn't worry too much about it. BC, and, uh, oh, I go think ahead. Big deal. Yeah. No, I, I apologize for the interruption there. BC, senior writer for Husker 24-7, at Husker 247BC on Twitter. I want to take advantage of your basketball side of your brain now before we let you go. Uh, you know, outside of just making and missing shots, what changed the most for the Huskers in the second half last night? Um, I mean, if you want to put something on Nebraska, it was probably they didn't contest as well, and that's what Hoiberg said in the post game in the second half. They were scrambling a lot in the first half on defense, but they were still active enough. I think that they were forcing some more difficult shots. Now, Izzo also said after the game, we were getting good looks in the first half. We just weren't hitting. And if you kind of go back through it in your mind, he's right. There were some shots that they had open. They just didn't knock down. I mean, sometimes like three-on-one possession. So even when Nebraska was up, I sort of knew, or I thought it was going to be a like a game down to the last minute even when it was like a 15 17 point game because I was thinking like Michigan State's going to start hitting a few of these shots uh, Nebraska's going to have to hold off the, the difference this time was they just didn't quite have that one extra push they've had in other weeks you know when when Michigan State made that 11-0 run and I think it made it 60 to 56 Tominaga got a layup 60 58 with six minutes and that was the moment where you're like okay if they could get a stop or two and they could get that back to even or ahead, then then they got something. And they just couldn't get it. You know, it was that point where Michigan State had gotten way too comfortable. They were settled in. And there you have it. You got to give a lot of credit to Michigan State. In the second half, that looked like an Izzo March team that's going to be a problem for people, I thought. Yeah, they look like they have a ton of upside. We were talking with one of their beat reporters yesterday, and Michigan State hasn't really been healthy. Then they had the layoff. Then they're short a game. They're kind of edgy, rounding in the form. Especially as streaky as Iowa is right now, and they hammered a good Indiana team, which makes that game in Iowa City look kind of daunting right now. But Michigan State looks like a team that has another – that's what I'm always looking for, another gear left in them. Yeah, I agree. I I could be proven wrong on this, but we know their history in this in that tournament. They've had teams like this before where they have 11 or 12 losses or whatever. They're, you know, 6-7 seed, and they end up like in the Elite Eight, you know, or something like that. And I wouldn't be shocked if they're that kind of team, actually. And so um, – Nebraska, I'm sure, could have done a few things a little bit better, but for what Nebraska has, um, I don't know. They, I, 
sometimes you just say they ran into a squad that's a little better, you know, and just couldn't miss. And I think there was a, there's a piece of that that's true last night. I didn't feel like like Nebraska didn't show up or anything. They were ready to play. Man, that was a fun arena for about 25 minutes when Tominaga hit the three. At, or what is uh, Tom Izzo? Tom Izzo had a, had a different like. Did you hear his post game? It was like Tom and Aqua. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, when when, when Izzo beat Look the other way, and it was up ten. You're like, geez, Husker basketball is fun right now. Like it was, and it was just too bad. Like that, that, that the good times couldn't keep coming. BC, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, guys. That is Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 24/7. You can toss him a follow on Twitter at Husker 24/7 BC. Uh, coming up next, we're talking to Andy Kendi, sports director at KETV. He's got a busy week ahead, as that is. All centered around state basketball over in Lincoln. I remember these days vividly. You look forward to it, but at the same time, you're like, how am I going to accomplish all of this in such a short amount of time? We'll talk to him about that. We'll get his thoughts on the Huskers, Creighton, everything in town. Stay with us. Andy Kendi from KETV up next. On coffee and cream. Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.